This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello there. Before we get into the show, I just want to give in advance a huge thank you to all the My Old Man Said members for being members and supporting the show throughout the last year. It's particularly vital when it comes to having to deal with supporter issues, which do take up a lot of time. Recently, for example, there's been this circumnavigating of these FA rules regarding this badge to name one thing in recent times. So members' support is much appreciated in the context of helping with that. So if, if you want to help, continue to help My Old Man Said in terms of supporter issues, but also, obviously, listening to this show, also get access to ad-free versions of the show, extra shows, there's a couple coming up this week, and get membership to Match Club, our 24-7 Villaverse of Discussion and Mucho Fun, then please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the membership link to get more details there. This week, uh, a massive thank you to the new members and people who have renewed. Mr. Jordan Crawley, Michael James, Katrina Fellows, and Charles. Charles, I don't think Charles has a surname. And also to the annual members, uh, Rob Carter and Steve UK. A big thanks to you guys, and hopefully some more of you will join them. Thank you very much. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. We're back. 2024, I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com, and your host. Joining me... Hopefully for another year's worth of this podcast, Mr. Chris Budd, Mr. Phil Shaw, welcome. Hello, sir. Hopefully for another year. Is that what you're planning on killing us off? Oh. <laughs> well, I think a lot of listeners would have thought New Year, new host and uh, guests on the My Old Man Said podcast, they'd have been thinking out with the old and with the new so sorry to disappoint you all but nah, we're still here like, like, like the villa we've got another level we can go to yes <laughs> yeah hopefully there's an upside <laughs> there's upside to all of us david remember that <laughs> we've, we've got it in the locker <laughs> I mean, we didn't get any nobody volunteered to take over from us all so uh, here we are 2024 let's go let's get it how are you sir not bad. I am rejuvenated, although that is starting to fade very quickly as the longer <laughs> I stay in Birmingham. I went away. Uh, managed the temperature to find difference, a, I'm sure, find was a pretty miracle, bad. Miracle 280 pound flight return to uh, LA. So uh, off I went to stay at a friend's for a couple of weeks, well, three weeks, I think. First week I was ill, it was raining, but there was podcasts to be edited and uh, all that kind of stuff. So it was more of a worky type uh, vibe. But then the last week I uh, spread my wings uh, a little bit and met up with old friends. One of them, uh, impromptuly, I went to see that Ride and the Charlatans, my friend, she's married to the Black Rebel Motorcycle 
lead singer, main man Rob, who who was there as well. So we went backstage there. So Ride had Verve's old drummer. I used to really like Verve. So I was chatting to him a lot about what happened with the Verve and uh, some good good anecdotes there, actually. So a lot of 90s music discussion until about uh, two in the morning there. And Ride are back with a new album, aren't they, of course, as well? Yeah, that, their, their new stuff was actually all right. I was never a, a big fan uh, back in the day. I mean, I've seen the Charlatans a few times, so it, I wouldn't pay to go and see that double bill, but it was on the way home, literally, from where I was uh, earlier on in the day. So I was kind of intrigued for old time's sake to actually, right, let's sit, because they played the, the 1990 album, the one that kind of made them. Mm-hmm. So you got to see that in its entirety, and then they played the new songs after, and actually new songs were all right. But anyway... So that was all right, and visited the Emerald Island as well on the way back, and now ready to go. But it's kind of nice. We can get our shit together because it's the winter break, and Villa don't come back in action until a, a good week or so. How are you chaps? What's been troubling you in this oh, new damn, year? I'm doing my tax return, so very oh, much shit, like... I just realised that's why I came back. I've got to do my tax <laughs> return as well. Very much like Jordan Henderson, there's... Yeah. there's Got to be, there's going to be some creative accounting going on this week, navigation to be had. Yes. I think yes. I'm going to be doing a IAX podcast uh, just to uh, <laughs> shuffle some money into the Dutch system. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Phil Shaw, all good with you? No, unfortunately not. Oh, it never in, is, is it, Phil? No, but what? never is. Well, that's what happens. I mean, I'm in some sort of quasi-lockdown because it's minus four and the, the gritters are in strike for a week, the road gritters. So we've been actually told as a nation to stay in your houses tomorrow. It's almost like a one-day lockdown. Like, Haven't you got sledges? <laughs> and huskies and things and yeah. Irish wolfhounds, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, but there's You've a hundred resources. And, use them. Yeah. You're wow, in deep shit with no grit. Back in the day, people used to get on with life, didn't they? And now... No, they didn't. This is the same country oh, right, that, okay. that died because of a potato famine instead of learning how to fish. All oh, right, okay, fair enough. I mean, I'm saying nothing to that. I think you're, that's one of those jokes that you're allowed to make and we yeah. and David aren't. <laughs> yeah, we, we can just not even laugh at them. We would we just nod and uh, move on yes. <laughs> to some villain news. Right, so a bit of catching up to do here. We're still in the FA Cup, hallelujah. 6,000 sold for the Chelsea trip. Friday night, no way back on the trains, uh, I don't think, after 10, so... There are, aren't there? I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there. People were moaning about the trains. I think it's a race against the clock, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Because normally there's always late ones, but... so Everyone's I don't... Till like quarter past 11, what's the problem? <laughs> well, you used to be able to get a midnight one out as well, and there was yeah. one at one o'clock... But I don't know if, I mean, the trains have gone to shit in this country. Uh, if you are an overseas listener, so, uh, and I haven't been to London for a little while now, so I don't know what the state of players is, but the strike's just going to put me off. Yeah, I, I was only going to take the FA Cup seriously if we get to the quarterfinal. I mean, as I said before, it's I'm not wasting 1% of energy on the FA Cup until it's actually worth thinking about, considering our last eight seasons or so in that tournament. And the penchant of Villa managers for resting players which uh, it'd be interesting to see how strong they go considering the Newcastle game which for my money that one for my money the home games against New the Premier League home games against Newcastle Manchester United and Spurs are definers and uh, they're huge will be the focus but anyway have fun if you are going thank you I will Hopefully. Yeah, I thought the price was a bit cheeky as well. So I'm, I'm surprised 6,000 have taken up 38 quid jobs. 
And they shifted them really quick as well. Yeah. They're giving away something free as an incentive. Not that I know of. <laughs> free gold badge or something. Don't. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Meet and greet with Christian Perslow. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. He'll be there, no doubt. Emery, manager of the month for December. He was never going to win that game against Everton after receiving that uh, poison <laughs> chalice. Meanwhile, in terms of the injury situation, uh, Tillerman's back actually uh, on the on the pitch. Uh, Pau Torres back in training, but not uh, available for matchday squads at the moment. Hopefully, he will be back against Newcastle. Ramsey also out with a hamstring, not expected to play in uh, the Chelsea game. Luca Dean is back in training potentially uh, looking at the Chelsea game or playing some minutes at least. Bertrand Troy is back fit. We know this because he's playing for Burkina Faso, the only team he's always fit for. <laughs> and he scored a last-minute penalty. He was sweating when he went up to take that penalty. He was, it's a uh, well-dodgy penalty, that one, if you saw the, uh, the tackle that yeah. actually won it. But it was, it was very questionable. Well. It was, to be fair. Who knew he had that in him? Shades of El Ghazi, that penalty. Yeah, they, they normally get to the semis, don't they, Burkina Faso? They're, they get into the business end under the captaincy of the mighty Bertie. Meanwhile, off the pitch, after the fracas of the club trying to push through a crest through the back door, blindly flaunting the FA rules and then behind closed doors saying that they have adhered to them when, I mean, it's, it's there in black and white is what I can't understand. We'll see how that plays out in the next uh, couple of weeks. Meanwhile, though, a timely leak that Adidas would be our new kit supplier for the first time in the club's history. This was to be expected uh, since Nassif Suarez has a major stake in Adidas. No second guessing where the leak came from since they were strangely referenced in the actual article as playing a big part in this even though I think the main reason this Adidas and it wouldn't be Nike is because of the owner you know one of the owners that's mm. all I'll say there mm. looks like rail seating has begun at least in the upper dug for away fans the rail seating in the upper hall and uh, upper dug was slated for this season we most of us presumed it for the start of the season but the club uh, have maintained that they said it would be done this season as a as in during, during the, season, the season which you, you would think if there's a summer break you kind of do it when there's a break so strange logic uh Discussion I had as part of the independent advisory group looking at uh, West Midlands Police's football units gave me a very good debrief on the, the Leger Warsaw game, which I will do as a members podcast. I may do a, another show as well uh, with a bit more detail on that because it is kind of interesting and uh, you get to see where the blame game, how it played out. That's what you know. The questions I was asking in in terms of how it built upon the actual night, and uh, you know, was there yeah, kind for of the Warsaw game the blackmailing, you know, play by the the Warsaw club and all that kind of stuff. But uh, more on that uh, soon. Uh, one thing I followed up on was uh, when Villa were at Liverpool, uh, John McGinn was subjected to racist abuse. Still don't know exactly what that entails. Whether it's to do with you know Scotland or whether it's because he's. Uh, a hips man and but normally Liverpool are on the the more on the Celtic hips kind of side of the yeah corner, they are which is strange so you wonder what's happened there but so we don't know exactly what happened there but apparently uh, they haven't been able to actually pinpoint who it was that said it exactly they've done the CCTV a Villa player did back up McGinn and say they heard it as well so that one looks like uh, they're going to get away with it uh, meanwhile, at Villa Park, unfortunately, uh, Karen Carney, when she was 
doing the commentary or was on the panel for the Villa West Ham game. I think she was there with Jamie Carragher. I mean, I was at the game. I don't know who was doing the TV. But anyway, while they were on the pitch, a 17-year-old Villa fan subjected her to vile abuse. I mean, there's obviously the Blues connection there, but it went a lot, lot deeper than that and brought actually brought her to tears in the tunnel later on. So they are being prosecuted, but Karen Carney actually said that she didn't want to take them to court. And, you know, it was a tap-in, really. She said she would rather be part of a re-education process so i think she's going to be involved in you know talking to this person because at the end you know you can find them or give them whatever punishment they'll probably just repeat it and the you know their minds aren't altered so uh, props to her because she did say it can take abuse for being a blues ex-player but this was way 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 beyond that and obviously it sounds like it was pretty nasty and low level stuff meanwhile at youth level the club have appointed Josep is it Gombo? Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. Gombo as the under-21s manager. He was Big Ange of Spurs' uh, Socceries assistant in 2016 and uh, also has a background previously at La Masia. In terms of transfer news, there's a bit of uh, recalling from loans and then shipping him out. Uh, Finn Azaz has uh, joined Borough. Has he joined them for, for good? I believe it's a permanent, yeah. yes. Yeah, 2.5, allegedly. He had been at uh, Plymouth. Meanwhile, uh, Kane Kessler seems to have uh, returned from Plymouth to join the matchday squad. We'll see uh, how that plays out. Meanwhile, Villa have reportedly playing the long game on the right-back situation, it seems, by looking likely to be signing Kosta Nedeljkovic uh, from Red Star Belgrade. Uh, this is one that's been, uh, seems like it's pretty much deal done by who's reporting it. And the 18-year-old will join on a deal worth an initial 6.6 million. I don't know if that's euros or uh, pounds. And he will be loaned back to his current Serbian club for the rest of the season. He's already played in the Champions League, so I think if he's from that part of the world, he'll be technically good as well. In terms of the Villa women, it's a bit of a renaissance, although still a bumpy ride for Clara Ward and her team. They got knocked out of the FA Cup 3-0 by Everton, which wasn't exactly a good look, but they did beat Leicester 1-0 in the Women's Super League, which I believe it's the fourth win out of the last six games so improvement in the league at least and they are now seventh although below par of where they would have ideally wanted to be at this stage of the season before we go on now we're in 2024 we are glad to have green king sports supporting the my old men said podcast with plenty of action uh, from the fa cup and bertrand Troy's favorite tournament the only the only football tournament he's actually fit for the afcon cup of nations and of course the premier league action uh, it's you can beat the january blues and the gritters and watch every game with the atmosphere it deserves down your local green king sports pub don't settle for a dodgy screen if it's on telly it's on at your local green king across their huge hd screens if you download the Green King Sports app, you'll also receive 10% off every single drink whenever there's a game on. Their venues offer a range of low and non-alcoholic options too, so dry January doesn't mean you have to settle for a worse sports-watching experience. Three points. Everton and Nottingham Forest are facing financial fair play penalties. Both clubs were informed of charges earlier this week. 
and will face an independent commission before the end of the season and could face a range of punishments, including points deductions, fines, or transfer embargo. Is this on top of Everton's already 10 points? It is. This is number two for Everton, strike two. Yeah, Forest. there's just been a massive influx. I think they're looking now to offload in January just to show that they are mindful. Uh, it may be a little too little too late. Richard Masters of uh, the Premier League has done a few public things, whether it's speaking to the FSA or uh, I think another interview that I read. And every time somebody mentions Manchester City, it's like, oh, I can't possibly comment on other Premier League clubs. They're dodging that bullet furiously. Yet, apparently, they're is a date set, although I think it was a select committee uh, that it, it was dropped, but they yeah. couldn't. Uh, he couldn't say what date the Manchester City situation will be tackled. So uh, that's the main one we're looking at here. I mean, if you see Everton and uh, Forest take a bullet, then people will ask what is going on with Manchester City here, and that could be a potential boiling point. Uh, I would imagine. Uh, point number two, release state papers recently show Tony Blair was keen on a Premier League team in Belfast. Phil what? Shaw, you could have had a new team to support. No, just this, just no. I mean, this was, um, <laughs> just, I don't even know where you start with it. I mean, previously, there's like state papers that get released after a certain time period. This was around 1997, obviously peace talks everywhere everyone happy over here oh was this part of the peace process it we'll was. give you a premier league team we'll give you the we'll give you the crazy gang we'll give you yeah. wimbledon and vinnie jones yes that would have really helped matters but um <laughs> yes they did think that it was going to be uh you know something that could be encouraged that he said blair's view said it would be excellent if wimbledon were moved to belfast and we should encourage this as much as possible he was yeah, even going to change the tennis them. tournament as well <laughs> that could be a real money spinner for belfast actually uh. But yeah, was was the suggestion that Wimbledon FC would change their name to Belfast United? Oh, yeah, just just great. And then another note said the matter was at a delicate stage because the Irish football authorities continued to resist the idea strongly. I mean, obviously they would. I mean, it's it's just a disaster waiting to happen something like that. I mean, but this is what can happen if you don't have a, a football regular and you don't get your club protected like in a community asset. Yeah, uh, I think football regulator, half of it will be just to have common sense within a football context because there's a lot of people coming into the, the game. And I mean, the problems is a, a lot of the time, is let's say the overseas actors in these takeovers and the, you know, the people running the show don't have that core understanding and they can really be blindsided to uh, things. Meanwhile, point number three, Argentina are apparently trying to retire the number 10 shirt in their national team for Messi when he retires. But surely that was the shirt worn by Diego Maradona as well. So isn't that a slight to him? It's a bit of a weird one. FIFA regulations require players to wear all numbers from 1 to 23 during official competition. So in other words, Argentina would be a man down on the roster but numbers should be held for tradition i mean you know who's next to wear the number 10 for argentina you don't get rid of it no just because you earn, you earn somebody's the right, like you? you know the marketing has taken them to a, a level and they're super rich now etc it's like maradona did as you know as much for the for his country is what we're talking about here than uh, messi did so I, I think you gotta you gotta keep you know you gotta keep tradition. The retiring of shirts, I, I'm I'm not keen on it because you want a legacy of that number. And you know Argentina's legacy with number ten is pretty rich. 
And I see why they do it in American sport where the player sort of picks the number and it's, it becomes part of their brand. In football, the, the numbers yeah. pretty much or traditionally stand for positions, don't they? Obviously, that's changed more in recent years. But it makes me laugh when these players like try to brand themselves with their number. If it's a 1 to 11 number in English football, it's like, yeah, sorry, but like, you know, Ferdinand with number five. Better number fives than you in the history of uh, English football. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We, we played a game, didn't we, against Everton? We did play Everton, yeah. <laughs> it's been such a long time since we've had a nil-nil that you just didn't think such things happen. So uh, when there has been one, it's completely eliminated from my memory. It's kind of sideswiped us, hasn't it, this one? We didn't have to put up with these other than under Gerrard, I think, was the last one at Leeds, and that was a horrendous one. Yeah, going into this game, uh, as we mentioned in terms of the injury situation, uh, I think there was an expectation to see Torres back. He wasn't even in the matchday squad. Ramsey was AWOL from the sheet. Tillman's back on the bench. Bailey and Diaby started, which normally would probably be the case if you were at home against, say, a, less, a lesser team. But at the same time, Conza uh, was shifted in at right back. So you're back for Ed Longley and Carlos as the uh, centre-back partnership. The best bit of news, though, was Kamara coming back uh, in terms of the Premier League uh, in his first game since his three-game suspension. Same ref as the uh, the guy who sent him off. It was, mm. yeah, yeah. And we'll speak about him later on. He had a stinker again. Yeah. Going into this game, I mean, we, we kind of said it all in or something for the weekend. We, we both felt that this had draw written all over it. Despite Everton's losing their last three games, the four games before that, they'd beaten... Chelsea and Newcastle in those four wins in four wins and they'd kept clean sheets in all those four games so when you know that you look at who they lost to in those three games they were losing against Manchester City Spurs and away at Wolves could happen to anybody and you knew that obviously something you know they had to they were intent on improving so it was always going to be a, a difficult game and Villa let's be honest performances haven't been up to scratch and we've got a lot of results over the line just through kind of grit and determination and you know late late goals which was what we were hoping for in this game <laughs> as, oh, it, as it generally out. you've always you've always thought we'll get a chance and we'll take it because you know it's been so well it hasn't happened has it under Emery yet that we failed to score very often so and you can count it on sort of you know on one hand, you would say, and you always thought that Everton were there for the taking after the first maybe 20 minutes or so. You thought, bloody hell, we, we could be in business here. Yeah, I mean, the first half, 70% possession. And the main concern here, I mean, they had Decore back playing. He's he's almost the furthest midfielder, isn't he? And he, he's a physical presence and Kelvin Lewin yeah, was uh, playing. So they've, they've definitely got a threat from set pieces and... Uh, you know that Villa, one of their remits was just to stop them having as many corners as possible. And uh, they, I think we, they had a couple of early early ones. But when you're looking at our team and you think, well, Carlos needs to step up and Longley potentially can be bullied. So there were concerns there. But early doors, you're thinking, this this is it's a bit cagey. But you're thinking, actually, Everton, let's say they didn't carry as, as much threat as I expected. So as you said, you're feeling, oh, actually, we, we, we should be able to uh, get something from them. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both, 
in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yes. And, you know, let's jump to it. When Moreno's goal goes in, you think, here we go. Yeah. Great and finish, four, five minutes later. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> when yeah. they finally, fucking around with VAR, decide, uh, oh, we found a way to stop that goal. Yeah. This is, this is what kills me is, uh, it was a hit. And when it's a hit, that's when you, you punch the air, isn't it? Like, the reaction. Oh, those kind of guys. Especially with Villa recently, we haven't been tending to smack them in from miles out, have we, under Emery? It's tend to be yeah. borderline pass the ball into the net and score picture book goals. It, so they, it these, these are the these are the celebrations. Uh, it's, it's they're on another level, isn't it? This came out of nowhere. When it's nowhere, it's an instant reaction. Yeah. And so you celebrate it, then you're like, hang yeah. on a minute. You just, you just get that sort of like sinking feeling don't you think to yourself right it's actually been sort of trained out you don't really do the celebration anymore you think yeah. to yourself right used no, to be I, the- I think it's fair enough if you go like oh, he's offside he's like ah fucker okay yeah but then it's it's almost like it's like water torture or somebody's pulling your fingernails out or something it's like four minutes of and all you see if you're watching it at home in the stadium god knows what's going on is you just see somebody on his mouse just looking at a screen He's just like going about his business. <laughs> playing you know, solitaire. Playing solitaire or whatever. Oh, shit. Better put the screen saver off and uh, yeah. do some work here. And it's like, what is this? This is a farce. Why are they showing this guy just looking at a screen? You don't see the screen. You don't see what he's looking at. He's not talking you through the process. I'm thinking this is a farce. Absolute farce. If it's, it should be like, if you haven't sorted out in 90 seconds, it's as is. Yeah. Because, I mean, because to go to over four minutes and it's not that obvious. But although to some, you know, some people when they saw it in the play, they ads, they're not going to give this because of Longley's foul or, uh, you know, whatever. But, you know, talk to me about it. Yeah, because, I mean, this was it was a mistake, actually, because the ball was played out to McGinn and he was meant to be playing it to, uh, I think he was meant to be playing it back to Louise. It was a short corner, but instead of that, it went to Bailey. Bailey looked to be a standing offside, his leg a foot offside or so. But the only thing that was keeping him perhaps onside was Longley and I think it was Unana maybe um, tussling with each other in the in the six yard Dan box. Dan Juma wasn't it? I think. Sorry, Dan Juma. Yes, in the in the six yard box. Now, if we think back to Newcastle's goal against Villa in that first game of the season, Matty Cash got held in the box to keep the Newcastle players onside. So it's it is a tactic that Premier League teams use. Yeah. But it's one that you ex- I mean I expected that goal to be chalked off that day and. I, to be honest, once I've seen Longley pull them, I thought, like, oh, if our looks at this, they're never going to give it because the remit seems to be find any reason you can to disallow any goal. Yeah, and unless you're standing in right in front of the goalkeeper and you're obstructing his view, then VAR will give you that goal. <laughs> it's like <laughs> they do the opposite of what you expect. And so that, that blow, you just thought, hmm, not a good sign. 
because I think that would have switched the game uh, up a different notch. Everton would have had to come out a bit more, opens them up a little bit. And I don't think that would have suited them, to be honest. I mean, Pickford made another, you know, made a really good save from, I think it was Bailey, wasn't it, with his right foot? He sort of whips a shot in at the near post. Pickford flicks it around the post really well. But then uh, Calvert-Lewin was cleaned through and that that, that was probably the key moment of the day in terms of Villa getting the point, shall we say. Two huge saves from Martinez, wasn't it? You kind of, yeah. I mean, Calvert-Lewin's sort of record with his XG currently in his goal-scoring form is not great. And uh, and then the follow-up, I think it's Garner sort of side foots one towards the bottom corner. It's a, probably a better save from the follow-up. Martinez just stays stays tall, doesn't commit yeah. himself with Calvert-Lewin. They're both really good saves, but he, you're not shocked by them anymore, are you, with Martinez? Whatever he yeah. does, you just kind of go, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an expectation, isn't there? Yeah. yeah, and there's a great video going about about as soon as he sees Calvert-Lewin touching the ball, he, he completely turns and runs back towards his own net so he knows where the goal is before he turns and faces Calvert-Lewin again, doesn't have his eyes on the ball at all. You're thinking somebody's going to be watching that video and maybe trying to lob him the next time they're in the same position. But <laughs> I see why he's done it, because you don't want to be stood there and give Calvert-Lewin the opportunity to chip you if you stand yep. around on the edge of the box. You're thinking, well, if I come out to him and close him down quick, which he did, he just kind of gave him the eyes, whatever you want to call it, and mm-hmm. psyched him out a little bit. But it was just an awful stop-start half. And... You thought it couldn't be any worse in the second half. It, I mean, you say it's awful. It wasn't. It was nil nil at that stage, but it there was you know there was actual action. It's not. I mean, we've seen a yeah. lot lot worse. So uh. it was a bit of. It reminded me a little bit at times of some of those games at St Andrews we've had down the years where you've got you know a Villa side trying to play football and an Everton side. Not disrespectful to say they weren't trying to play football, but they're their tactic was clearly to break Villa up and knock us out of our rhythm. And I think that's the way teams have seen, you know, with... Like Dolph Lundgren tried to do to Rocky. <laughs> Indeed. I will break you. Yeah, and and in that sense, I think actually, you know, Sheffield United and a couple of other teams and more recently, Burnley did it, I think, at times. Everton did a really good job of just knocking Villa out of their rhythm because that's how we play, you know, it's... Um, all about you know control and controlling the tempo, and I think as soon as you get in and amongst Villa and you knock them off their their rhythm, you kind of you, you stand a chance because Villa almost don't like it up them at the moment. Yeah. We we want to we want to play Second our way. Second half, it did look like Villa. We were in control. Seemed the most likely, and there, every time I looked at the clock, I always thought oh, there's plenty of time left, and we're you know we we are uh, creating here, and there's you know it, mm-hmm. it, something may happen. I mean, we can skip through to the kind of main events. I mean, there was the Diaby penalty incident. What do you th- what do you think of that? He should have gone down. Yeah, he's a bit too honest there with the first one. Yeah, that was the ma- that was the, the kind of angle of the debate, wasn't it? I think with the pundits as well, basically mm-hmm. saying should have gone down. You know, other teams do it. Yeah, he was a bit yeah. too not naive. Uh, I would say. Well, yeah, maybe naive. If you want to win, if you want a penalty go down, if you want to win the league, you got to dive all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I. That's Can what I see it? when I watch mm-hmm. the the league, the teams that win the league. Yeah, Kane and Bruno Fernandes and guys like that. They're getting the penalty. There they go. Thank you very much. I'll take the contact. Yeah, Liverpool. Whoever. Yeah, no, no excuse for the the GBH by Tarkovsky on him afterwards. There, I mean, that was <sighs> he yeah. was lucky he came out of that still walking. I mean, that was pretty. I mean, you've seen penalties given for that, not in control as well. I mean, uh, Romero with Spurs gave away one against Chelsea where he got the ball first and then followed through in the man in the box. So it could have been two penalties in the one instant. And they made mm. a few chances. You know, McGinn flashed one just wide from the edge of the box. Um, there was the Duran one, wasn't there? Where he gets the little flick at the near post. That was a really good effort, actually. That was the big moment, I think. When when mm. that went wide, I thought, I don't. We're, this is going nil nil. I think. Yeah, and there was one with Cash, wasn't it? Where the ball kind of 
goes across the penalty area, cashes at the back post on the edge of the six-yard box. You think if he if he hits the target there, he probably scores. Mikalenko's a great block from point-blank yeah. range. And then, of course, Everton went up the other end and they had, you know, our, our cheese wire worked pretty well throughout the game and they had a, a very, very obvious offside one, but they put the ball in the net. Yeah, that maybe should have been blown up uh, a bit earlier. What, what's the game where somebody got injured? Ederson, Man City's keeper get injured. Yeah, that's right. At Newcastle, yeah. That's what Pep was saying. And, you know, that's he's just kind of echoing what a lot of fans think. When it's obvious, what why go through the charades of playing on? And, you know, that's what a lot of people always said, what happens if a player gets injured? going through the motions if it's obvious they should just blow up and stop being stupid but uh, yeah I think when Duran's I mean it was a good effort by Duran because not easy to turn it in from that no. uh, situation again, again he, he, you know, he came off the bench and caused a bit of chaos yeah but he needs to start turning into somebody who can win a match if, if we're mm. to get in the Champions League uh, we, we're going to need match winners I mean we don't get this perception that oh we're, we're, we're comfortable and we're going to get win a Champions League spot it's going to be a battle and we, we need to yeah. be turning these games around uh, you know if, as I mentioned earlier on Manchester United Newcastle and Spurs all come to Villa Park and these are games that if you're not beating the likes of Everton in this situation when you've you've pretty much you know in terms of possession at least uh, warranted a chance to beat them or if you're not holding off 2-0 leads at Old Trafford against a, a very average United team. You, you, you know, you're looking at those three home games and you think we need to win these to really uh, cement our Champions League application or else. Yes, agreed. We, we could be in problems here. And our performances against sort of teams beneath us who either play a low block or certainly get in and amongst you has not been great. You know, when you look at our points tally from Everton, Bournemouth, Forest and Wolves on the road and then you throw sort of the Man United anomaly in there as well there's a not necessarily huge cause for concern but there's definitely a trend against a certain type of team yeah yeah that's what that's why I, th- I mean we're not out of the title race and you know while we're within spitting distance of top you should still talk about the yeah. picture of that and if this is our little blip then wow <laughs> Strong uh, sounds so in. yeah two things one is you're not going to win the title if this is how we're playing I mean the Sheffield United game I thought well I, I, you could see that coming we both said after, that, didn't we? I think when we previewed yeah, after it. the wins against City and uh, Arsenal, you thought, yeah, we're, there's only one way this goes in football, and that's you, you don't win the one that you're expecting to win against mm. Sheffield United. But the way we've kind of laboured, uh, you know, Brentford away, Burnley at home, losing the Forest game when Forest couldn't get a win for love and money in like ten games around that fixture, then you think, yeah, that, that that's not what a title winning team does. But at the same time, looking through the lens of are we doing enough to uh, qualify in the Champions League? If this is our blip, then it's not like, you know, it's one win in seven games or whatever. Like, you know, Arsenal and Spurs have gone on poor forms and, and dropped and off. And Newcastle as well. And Newcastle have kind They've of been like losing runs. So if this is a blip and, you know, we go on to beat Newcastle and then string a few more wins together, then that's not a bad blip to have is uh, you're still no. resilient enough to uh, get results across the line. Especially yeah. when you've been over the Christmas period, you've been having injuries and we've spoken about it briefly, but you know, when you are winning in the way we were earlier in the season, people sort of raising an eyebrow going, yeah, it'll look pretty good there. But then when you beat City and Arsenal in a week, the narrative sort of changes from plucky to, oh, this is what Villa are now. And I think the expectation... Yeah. 
outside of the Villaverse has definitely gone up and gone, oh, wow, Villa are a good side. They're the, they are the real deal. And therefore now we are, we've, it's kind of like the hunted have become, um, we've become the hunted rather than the hunter. And we've definitely got a target on our back. And all of a sudden we're the team who you play against and you have to spoil the game. And yeah. the top sides find a way to kind of break through that challenge yeah. by just being better. I, I don't know if Villa, I mean, I've mentioned this in an article I did uh, for BBC Sport, where we need a bit more cutting edge. I mean, Watkins, he's not a predator, is he? He, he does a lot more than just be a goal scorer. Yeah, he's not a fox in the box, you wouldn't have said. But he's not a predator. But he also hasn't got that, I mean, uh, I use the comparison that, you know, Leicester were propelled to the title and I'm not talking about Villa winning the title in this context, but Leicester were propelled by Vardy scoring 24 goals. And he was, it was almost like he was addicted to scoring. He was mm-hmm. like sniffing around and, you know, trying to score at any opportunity. You don't really get that with Watkins. It's a bit more, he's part of a more considered process in terms of how Villa play. Now, I think Watkins needs 20 goals for Villa to be in the Champions League, I think. Yeah, yeah. Vardy knew how to win a penalty as well. Just going yeah, back to exactly. That. It's it's like you know he's on heat to get a mm. goal. Yeah, just it's a the low block has become something that people say again. But to be honest, I think only Zerinsky properly played low block against Villa. It's more a case of Villa Villa's midfield is so good at the minute. It's bypassing the midfield and making the game, you know, breaking the game up. Those are the two things that Villa really can't deal with. If you go sort of one to one with Villa in midfield, Villa will play through you. They'll take the ball off you there, and then they'll they'll be away. They'll be gone. But whenever team I mean, United did, they just bypassed their midfield and hit it long. Everton were hitting it long, yeah in behind and that it becomes a game then of the opposition's defence and their target man or their strikers and that's when Villa are having trouble at the minute when they can't use their midfield but also when you, if you're in the games against Everton like this and it's almost turning into a battle of attrition we, we need more you know match winners now I mean what I think we've got match winners could be like people with end products so you're looking at what, what have we got now uh, we've you've got Watkins Bailey and then a lesser extent Louise McGinn probably come to the party as well I think Tainemans can unlock a defence when he's yeah but it, I'm talking about scorers uh, and yeah in terms of goals and you're looking at the likes of Zaniola Diaby and even Duran they, they need to contribute they can't just be getting the odd goal here and there. I mean, you know, they've picked up points or got us through cup games, but this now we're getting into the business running. They need to come to the party or else they're failures in my book. I mean, Diaby had a like, great start. Diaby's definitely got it in him. Yep. So there's no team, problems there. To stop him, maybe. You know, Zaniola, he's not doing enough. No. And he's, you know, slipped down the pecking order now. Yeah, and the jury's out. But, the, I mean, all of them, uh, they've all got it in their locker. That's why, I, I, you know, they're not dismissed, but they need to turn up for Villa to really cement their position. Because the good thing is, uh, these other teams have struggled, and they've all had injuries as well. Your Uniteds, your Spurses, your Brightons. Newcastle. Newcastles. So... You know, we can't moan about our injuries and said, "Oh, well, you know, we've done, we've done all right." We, you know, we we have kind of compensated. Ideally, you want Torres in there, but you know, other teams have got other as deep and you know bigger problems. But we can't squander this opportunity. You know, fans at the end of the season, if we finish sixth, there'll be a certain mentality of fans that will go, "Oh, you know, what you're moaning about? We've improved on last season. You know, this is con- this is good progression under Emery." But this is a big fucking opportunity, and opportunities don't come along like this. Manchester United, Chelsea, they'll be much better next season. This, yeah. if you're, you know, you've been second or third for a good few weeks at this point of the season, this isn't Villa 
finishing six and saying, oh, well, we've improved. This is like you've had a whole calendar year where you were the second best team in the Premier League. You've got to get that over line. You can't just fade away and then pull up the comfort blanket and say, oh, yeah, we were playing Rotherham in the championship a few seasons ago. No, we're here and now now. This is what we are now. We are mm-hmm. going to get on with it and you've got to meet the challenge and you, you will be disappointed if you don't make yeah. it. It's like Leicester. They got promoted two seasons late, later. They were champions. They could make every excuse for failure. And look but at Newcastle, you know, the, the, the previous was that. season that before they got fourth, they went, they came from nowhere, spent a bit, avoided relegation, but they pushed on, finished the season. Well, and then they just rocketed, didn't yeah. they, the next season? You've got to get on the train of we are finishing in the Champions League places and that is the goal. And if we don't achieve it, then as, as soon as you make that a failure, then you have, you fear a failure and that makes you crack on even more. I mean, like yeah. Leicester, you're in a position where you look around, you go, oh shit, our only competition for this Premier League is Spurs. And Spurs always flake Sounds out. Sounds winning. <laughs> so uh, we've got to take this. We've got to take it. Yeah. You can't start building in, in built excuses and say, well, last season we almost got relegated. Season before that, look where we were. We're, we were. You know, we we were in the championship. You can roll out as many excuses as you want, but the teams that do it, just get on and do it. And the fans who want some, you know, want good for the club know that we're on a mission now. And the mission is... Champions League football. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the manager, the players, they're all demanding of themselves. We should be demanding of them at this point too. And we know there's going to be bumps. Sheffield United, Man United away. These things can happen generally over the, you know, the calendar year of 2023 and more, you know, in this sort of side of it, in this season. We've always reacted well. So when we've had, an, had a setback, we've come back. The next two home games, as you said earlier in the show, are huge because you've got the chance to A, get revenge on both sides, having had really poor defeats yeah. at Villa Park. And by putting another three-point gap on both of them, you can not necessarily bury them, but you can put a, extend the gap between both of them. You've got, the, you've got you. your foot on their head. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those kind of games maybe suit the way we where we where we're at right now. Teams who might come and go. Well, we're not going. You know, man, you aren't going to come and park the bus. Neither are Newcastle. Well, you just don't want to be where. Villa were looking back at the O'Neill years because when you're in the O'Neill years, you felt like sixth was a failure because of that team. Yeah. Yeah, so it's all well and good saying, oh yeah, sixth would be an improvement or, you know, fifth if, if and if fifth doesn't include Champions League. Uh, but it's all right having, you know, reading a puff piece and seeing Chris Heck say, oh yes, we are not selling our players to the top or the old guard, top six. But you try that if you're outside the top four next season. Once, once your players have had that disappointment of being second and third for a lot of the season and then they're not playing Champions League and then Arsenal come along and say, well, we are playing Champions League and you can believe this perpetual dream of uh, you going somewhere or you can come to the reality of we're in Champions League and good luck keeping Martinez and the likes if you're perpetually outside the top four it's not going to happen you won't be able to resist ultimately if we're in the top four we can tell everybody to fuck off if you're not then it becomes difficult yeah especially with the the kind of calibre players we've got and where they're at in their careers yeah. they've all levelled up levelled up levelled up and the age the profile they're at they're all thinking right it's, it could be now or never for some of them yeah it's Champions League football and so in an ideal world they want to play that with Villa and that is mm-hmm. the goal so I don't want to see any of these the, the comment that makes me mad the most is like oh well look why are you moaning look where we are and five years ago we're in the championship going in administration it's like yeah that's that's history you could say look where we were in 82 we were European champions why aren't we doing that now or look where we were under Little fourth winning a trophy in a cup semi-final you can frame it any which way you want mm-hmm. 
So we're in the here and now, and uh, that is the remit. And I think those you know players will be wanting it. So then it's of like, of course they will. Do I they think need they to believe as well? What is the situation in terms of signings? Can we sign anybody else? Because we've known for a couple of seasons now, we do need another striker mm. you know we're, we're saying we're saying it with hindsight now but Ings wouldn't have been that man this season I don't think he'd have just been another body wouldn't he like he'd have played bits and pieces and he'd have played in Europe but yeah. I mean you trust him to, you would you would have trusted him to score more than Duran at least the one thing you do get with Ings is end product in the penalty area yeah you know as we know it's not easy I mean Ings in terms of calibre of record in terms of goal scoring etc at the time but was like one of the top picks you could possibly get at Villa. Now, well, you're relying on your man Monchi to be a bit savvy. I think so, yeah. You, you know, you're looking at maybe a clever little f- free or a loan or whatever. Maybe like a slightly, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know how I feel about him as an individually, but I saw like the, the link with Zahar as an example. I think something like that where it's a little bit kind of, of a wild card option, but he's kind of a wild, in Premier League terms, he's, a, he's more of a wild card that you would trust than say Zaniola. Yeah, but I don't know if they're going to be paying his wages on top of Zaniola's. You could you could send Zaniolo back. That that deal was kind of structured that we would want to buy him, and this was a great opportunity for us. But it is one of uh, kind of Munch's men that essentially was called in because you know Galatasaray were really flipping him as oh, a player because mm-hmm. you know he wasn't going anywhere because of what was kind of surrounding him in Italy, and they thought, well, we'll get him and then flip him on. So we shall see. But yeah, either Diaby really comes to the party, Zaniola steps up, Duran suddenly starts contributing off the bench. I think Ramsey, if you're thinking if you get a second half of the season from Ramsey and Moreno like you had last year, I think we're in business. Tillman's yeah. probably got another gear to go into. I think if yeah, Tillman's yeah, comes we're, good. We're still, uh, we're going to see better from Tillman. So th- that's, that's the other thing that uh, might save us if there is a quiet transfer window, which, you know, you kind of, that would be, expect it to be. what you would expect. But there is players with uh, our favourite word, upside, still to be untapped in this mm-hmm. uh, squad. And those three players, more from Tillemans as well, and uh, you could be rocking and rolling. But also just for the whole team to get another lease of life, hopefully they'll get it coming back from the winter break. And it's almost a perfect game, uh, the Newcastle. You've got a tune-up game against Chelsea, yeah, where you can give people minutes who are coming back. And then the Newcastle game is like, right, let's go for it. This is 2024, let's go. Yeah, agreed. Just quickly, finally... uh, Medium Muppets. Right, Phil, what's swishing around in the trough in the early weeks of 2024? Well, it's FFP and or as the Premier League called it, profit and sustainability. We've already spoken about Everton and Nottingham Forest. Well, Villa don't go without a mention either. It was the Daily Mail that took what Unai Emery said in his press conference to be or to say what they thought was going to be selling all the stars. The headline was Unai Emery admits Aston Villa may be forced to flog key stars to balance the books and then the picture was Louise and Kamara and Martinez in the picture. So sell everyone then. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Like you're trying to get in the Champions League and you're in the Champions League, suddenly your revenue boosts and then FFP becomes less of a concern. So that is the main game. That's the main play, get in the Champions League and then FFP becomes easier. You don't sell your best players in January and ruin your chances to get there. But anyway, carry on. 
Yeah, as well as that, if you if you sell Louise, Kamara, and Martinez, you're you're probably going to be raking in about two hundred and fifty to three hundred million quid. So, yeah, what are you buying? It's more likely he's talking about fringe players and academy players, just to sort of squeeze another signing in. Is exactly that, isn't it? Yeah, we all know like FFP set up to protect the established elite clubs in the the football leagues. So. It, I had to laugh when I seen this just piece from um, the Athletic Spurs reporter, Jack Pitbrook. His Twitter comment was, why is no one speaking up for profit and sustainability rules or the silent majority of clubs who operate within them and have a right to see them enforced? I mean, you just have to laugh. He's, he's the Spurs reporter. It's easy for them to say now, a 1.6 billion quid stadium in the middle of London, getting an eight-figure sum for five Beyonce concerts to help balance the building and the stadium costs. But the one thing that his piece doesn't Plus mention at all. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. His piece doesn't mention at all they sold Harry Kane for 100 million that should ease financial fair play pressures for Spurs for a few years but he wanted to make out that it wasn't a once in a generation player that got got them the help it was their their good accounting and good business sense yeah we need uh, Taylor Swift five nights instead of Foo Fighters one night at Villa Park that will pay for the North Stand yep and uh, a load of uh, temporary seats so we don't lose on uh, revenue. This is why the North Stand, I think, has been uh, shelved. The rebuild is because there's a bit of short-termism in terms of... I mean, yes, we're not convinced that uh, various transport authorities and council can sort out the, the travel situation. But you've got to ima- you know, remember, back in the day, Villa Park was servicing a hell of a lot more than just 42,000. They walked... <laughs> <laughs> they, and the they ran loads of buses. Yeah, they ran buses. It's it's not hard to actually work out. Just run some reasonably priced buses, not five pounds each way, and a few more match day specials on the trains. It's like most football teams would be like, "Wow, you've got two train stations on your doorstep, an arterial yeah. road, and a major motorway junction on your doorstep." Yeah, wow, it's, it's crazy. The infrastructure <laughs> is there. It's just plonkers not knowing how to utilise it and advertise it. You've, you've even got bloody bike lanes going to Villa Park as and well. And there's a I mean, truckload of parking around the ground if you choose to engage with the local businesses. The the stuff is there. Yeah, They just don't handle it very well. Call it so, multi-agency, call it what you will. You've got certain people at the club who've just come in and they're on, you know, they've got to hit their targets. It's because we're in the top four at the moment. If we get in the Champions League, then they're thinking, oh shit, we'll only have like 32,000 or whatever, 34,000 that we'll be able to charge tickets of 70 pounds, you know, 60 to 70 pounds for. So there's a bit of that going on in the maths of uh, this. And I think prices will go up again. Right. It's kind of, you want to get knee deep in all these games now, don't you? This uh, winter break's good. Enjoy the break because the games are going to come thick and fast, especially yeah, once we get to March and the European like stuff spring ready to go. Mm. So, any final words? Just enjoy your week off, ladies and gents, before it gets you know it gets busy again. Just get at it. Just do it. Get um, at it. There you go. I like it. it. He can't, he's not. He's not allowed to leave his house. But uh, no, get I'm at not. It. <laughs> look, somebody send him a gritter until it thaws. Right until next time. It's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.